This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. To support The Quest and being able to produce more local programming, please visit thequestatlanta.com and click the donate button. Thank you for your generosity. We hope you enjoy the Book of Esther podcast series. Brought to you by Proclaim My Word in partnership with AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. I'm Linda Scharnhorst here with Carrie Allen from Proclaim My Word and Annie Porter, production manager at The Quest Atlanta. And we are so excited to be with you for lesson two entitled Knowing the Enemy Within. So, Carrie, we went from talking about godly living last week to knowing the enemy within this week. So, it's a pretty big leap. We're going to see what happens when hatred grows unchecked. We will discuss Haman's lies as well as his motivation, but we will also be exposing the lies that the enemy will use to distract, confuse, and intimidate us even today. Jesus himself even had some interesting things to say about our enemies. So before we begin, let's ready ourselves with our opening prayer in the workbook, Be Who God Created. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, I desire to know you, to love you, and to serve you. Always be with me, Lord. Open my heart to hear and live your word today and every day. Help me to keep your word forever in my heart so my personal relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, will grow ever deeper. I pray for the wisdom and courage to proclaim the gospel with confidence so others will be led to you and your gift of salvation. Let the light of my love for you be seen so that others will be drawn to your love and mercy. May I have the wisdom to do your will and to follow you on earth as my Lord and Savior until I return to you. Thank you, Lord, for all the many ways you continue to bless me and those I love. Prepare me for whatever the future may bring. Help me daily to walk by faith and not by sight, ever willing to proclaim your word and your marvelous deeds. Bless me with faith and courage to trust and obey you at all times. When I walk through dark valleys, give me the grace to know that you are always with me and always hear my prayers. Help me to persevere, Lord, as I wait with hope to spend eternity with you. My trust is in you, Jesus, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. So as I said, our lesson today is knowing the enemy within. Carrie, can you just give us an overview of what took place in our last lesson? Because there's probably some people that were not with us last time. Was sure. everyone level set there? Sure. Last time we talked about how God, who was working behind the scenes, chose two godly people. Mordecai and Esther to accomplish his will. Esther was orphaned at a very early age, and Mordecai, her uncle, then became her foster father. They were Jews living in the pagan land of Persia. Now, remember, our story takes place after the Babylonian exile, when many of the Jews had already returned to Jerusalem. But there were others like Esther and Mordecai who remained in Persia. Mm-hmm. So God chose these two godly people and gave them an assignment to help save Israel. And what we talked about the last time was that we've all been chosen by God for a specific assignment to help not only bless us, but to bless others as well. If we're open to letting God use us for his good purpose. 
And one characteristic of a godly person is someone who has complete trust in God, even when it appears that he is not present and you don't believe that he's hearing your prayers, just knowing that he is there and he does hear you. Esther was made queen of Persia as part of God's plan to save Israel. So the story ended last time with Mordecai discovering a plot by two eunuchs to kill the king. Yes, you left me hanging there. I remember that. <laughs> right, right. So on the advice from Mordecai, Esther went to the king to reveal the plot against his life. After the king discovered the plot by the two eunuchs, they were hanged. And King Ahasuerus promoted Haman to a high rank of prime minister. This brings us to lesson two, chapters three and B in the New American Bible. Yep. Haman was an Amalekite who had descended from the wicked king Agag. There was a long history of Haman's descendants that hated the Jews. And certainly Haman was no exception. He also hated the Jews. And he also had a huge ego. Mm-hmm. He loved being elevated to a higher position. So after his promotion, he ordered all the king's servants at the palace gate to kneel and bow down to him. I'm sure that went over great. <laughs> yeah, right, as if to worship him. Mm. So so uh, how, how did Mordecai react to that, given he was a pious uh, Jew that um, definitely, I don't think he probably liked that. Oh. No, he didn't. So... Uh, Mordecai told the other servants that he would not, that he was serving with him, that he was a Jew, and that he would not kneel or bow down to Haman. Although it doesn't give a reason for Mordecai's refusal, it seems obvious that he would only kneel and bow down before the one true God. Mm-hmm. According to Mosaic law, that kind of adoration was for God alone. And Mordecai chose to be loyal to God and not to Haman, no matter what the cost would be to him. So when the servants told Haman about Mordecai's refusal to obey the order and that Mordecai was a Jew, Haman was infuriated. His pride demanded and expected maximum respect from his subjects. So he decided that he didn't just want to get rid of Mordecai because that wouldn't be enough revenge for him. He saw this as an opportunity to get rid of all the Jews living in the area. Now, let's go back and remember Mordecai's dream in the beginning that we read about in the introduction in the last session. Well, now it begins to make sense. In his dream, Mordecai saw two great dragons coming forward, both ready to fight. The two great dragons are Mordecai and Haman. So now we clearly see who was the enemy within. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So first, Haman planned to eliminate the Jews by what um, they called poor, casting poor, which right, is lots, right? right? right. Oh, K- Carrie, can I tell you a funny story on that? Sure, poor. Sure. Uh, you know how we've had so many words that have been so hard to get and understand and uh-huh, be able to pronounce? Uh-huh. So I went to a website to look up how to say poor, because I know it's, you know, you'll talk later probably about the celebration. And 
I listened a couple times to this website and I was scratching my head wondering, what is this? And I realized I was on a French website. <laughs> so, but uh, I thought it was on a Hebrew one. I was on a French one. But uh, so basically, I guess what I'm hearing you say is like, so I heard that he and his associates like cast a lot right. to determine the date to destroy Mordecai, not only Mordecai, but all the, all Jews, the Jews, right? That's right. And then right. the lot, so this casting of lot, it fell on a specific date. That's right. Right. And that okay. was the 13th day of the 12th month, the month right. of Adar, right? That's right. Okay. That's right. Okay. So why is poor so significant in the Jewish history and culture? Well, the plural of poor is Purim, which later became the name of the Feast of Purim. And later on, we're going to see why this was such an important feast day. And it was so important, it's, it's still celebrated today in the Jewish culture. So now the fight begins. The enemy within, Haman, went to the king and told him that there were some people that didn't obey his laws, and they shouldn't be tolerated. So the king told Haman to do whatever he wanted with them. And basically, he washed his hands of the situation. Hmm. So, Linda, what does that remind you of? Um, only two ones I know in the Bible, one lesser known the uh, back in Deuteronomy, but Pilate washed right. his hands right. of Jesus. Right. And I mean, he obviously had all the information he needed, and he kind of washed his hands and allowed it not, you know, not to do what was right, right? Right, right, right. He didn't want to take responsibility. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he lacked the courage to do what was right. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't you find it interesting that the king didn't even bother asking who these people were that were supposedly disobeying the laws and causing all of the problems. He didn't bother verifying if Hamas' claim was even true, as he originally verified the threat on his own life from the two eunuchs plotting to kill him. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that was? I don't think he really cared because it didn't affect him personally. He didn't think it affected him personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also, too, probably something like the 10,000 silver talents. That the, probably helped, yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. royal treasury. Uh, let me smooth the deal here. Yeah. And uh, Okay, so go ahead. I don't want to interrupt anymore. So Haman now had the approval of the king. So he decided to send out a letter as if it was from the king, making the request to all the royal provinces that all the Jews, young and old, women and children, were to be killed in one day on a certain day. So basically, he has all the authority of the king. Right, right. And he pens the letter. Yes. For his objectives. For his own purpose. His mm -hmm. own purpose. Mm -hmm. And the king is sort of uh, off doing his right. kingly thing, right? right? Okay, so in chapter B then, which I think now is the Greek text, right? right. Greek text versus the Hebrew. There's an actual copy of the letter, right? That's right. Right. Tell us about the contents of the letter, okay. please. In the letter that Haman sent out, again, he pretended to be King Hazarus. And the letter went to the king's 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. And the letter was about the destruction of the Jews. Basically, it said how wonderful King Hazarus was, always dealing fairly with people and seeking peace. The letter went on to say that the king consulted his counselors and there was one amongst them who had great wisdom, devotion, and loyalty, and that was Haman. Hmm, now, remember, <laughs> Haman is praising himself in this letter. Yeah. So upon the advice of this supposedly wise counselor, the king, really Haman, determined that it was best to get rid of all the people who had bad will towards him. In other words, let's get rid of all the Jews. Lies, lies, lies 
from the enemy within. Can we pause a second okay. there? So lies. So I, we definitely know that Satan's the father of lies. That's right. And we know that we're often deceived. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, about just how this is so apropos for us to know when we're lying to ourselves? And Well, I think it's easy to fall for lies. <laughs> it seems obvious when you don't know the truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you don't know the truth, then it's easy to believe almost anything. But when you know the truth, then you can recognize when someone's lying to you. Mm-hmm. So the king took the easy way out by believing all of Haman's lies. Is it easier to fall for lies than stand up for the truth? I believe that if you are someone who isn't interested in the truth, it's easier to believe a lie, Mm -hmm. especially when the lie aligns with your own personal opinion rather than the truth. Yeah, you're sort of susceptible to falling for it. That's right. Mm -hmm. So it was easier for the king to go along with Haman again, the enemy within, and it was easier to let him win than it would have been to challenge him and find the truth. The problem with that logic is that even when we let the enemy win, the victory is only temporary, Mm. but standing up for the truth isn't. Yeah, the victory is only temporary, but standing up for the truth as then. I like that. So why is it so important for us to be aware of our enemies? Like both, like Haman represents the human aspect, but then also spiritual ones as well. That's right. That's right. Well, I think it's important whether it's a human enemy or even more so if it's a spiritual enemy. It's important so we don't fall for their deception as the king fell for Haman's deception. The enemy within wants to keep the truth hidden so they can accomplish their own agenda as well as intimidate you so you don't question their motives. This is exactly what Haman was doing. You see, the enemy will lie to you and me just as Haman lied to the king. Lies bring nothing but chaos, confusion, and destruction. Listen to what Jesus says in John 8, 44. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks in character because he is a liar and the father of lies. Mm. There was no truth in Haman. His wrath toward the Jews and his pride would eventually lead to his demise. I'm sure you've heard the saying, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. (laughs) Yes, I have. So how does that play out from a spiritual sense? Why is that important? Well, I think it's important because when you keep your enemies close, then you know what they're up to. Mm -hmm. So you're not caught off guard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, In order to achieve victory over your enemy, you have to know who your enemy is. And then you try to stay close to them. And when I'm talking basically a human enemy, Mm -hmm. in other words, always be aware of when and how the spiritual enemy within may be trying to influence you. So you won't be caught off guard. It can be so easy for us to be caught off guard Mm -hmm. when we're not aware that we are trying to be influenced by a spiritual enemy. At one time or another, I think we've all experienced an attack of some kind, even when our enemy appears as an angel of light. Listen to what 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says. Even Satan masquerades as an angel of light. 
So it is not strange that his ministers, who also masquerade as ministers of righteousness. Mm. This quote from scripture is warning is a warning to always be on the lookout for our spiritual enemies, which are far worse than our human enemies. We've all heard a lot about the term fake news. Well, fake news isn't really new. (laughs) It began in the Garden of Eden when Satan told Eve one of the biggest lies ever, and Eve fell for it. You think about that, just... um... If what you just said earlier that we don't when we don't know the truth mm-hmm. it's easy to be susceptible that's right and we're not on the lookout for it that's right so probably garnet right. things are going great yep. and then one conversation and <laughs> look what no, happens that's right that's right so eve nor adam knew see they didn't know who their enemy was mm-hmm. and that's why it cost them dearly the same with us when we believe the lies of our enemies within it can lead us to make huge mistakes and it can lead us into sin. I've had people call me to say how difficult things have been for them because they feel like they're under spiritual attack. Mm-hmm. And my response to them is always, you must be doing something good for the Lord or those little evil minions wouldn't be bothering you. <laughs> I'm sure that helps uh, them feel better, right? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, so what can people do when they feel there is a spiritual enemy trying to frustrate them or their plans? Yeah, well, that's that's a good question. And I'll tell you what I learned while I was on a five-day silent retreat several years ago. Wait, wait, wait a sec. What, pause there. Five-day silent retreat? Yes, so, yes. <laughs> I've done like a short one, but right. so what's a five-day like? Hard. (laughs) Hard. You literally spend five days, except for one hour a day, Mm -hmm. with your spiritual director. Mm -hmm. So all the rest is silent. Yes. Okay. Okay. So even even your mealtime is silent. Mm -hmm. So it is, it was one of the most difficult things I have ever done. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it was one of the best things I had ever done. The blessings I received from that retreat gave me the courage to leave the business world and begin working in God's world. Mm. And I remember one of the first things I was compelled to do when I returned home to Atlanta after my five-day retreat, I went to Monsignor Kenny, my pastor at the cathedral, and I asked him if we could begin a holy hour. Mm -hmm. Little did I know that four years later, it would lead to perpetual adoration in the diocese. Wow. Now, when I look back on that, I could see where God was working behind the scenes mm-hmm. to make something happen. Mm-hmm. And you think about that five-day investment of... Was worth every minute. Of yeah, it. being focused on God, not focused on the yeah. world, like we talked about last time. That's right. So how did that retreat help you deal with spiritual enemies that were trying to disrupt your plans at that time? Or should I say God's plans? Right, God's plans. Yeah. Well, interesting, during this retreat, As I said, I had only one hour a day with my spiritual director, who was a nun. Mm -hmm. The rest of the time, I was to spend praying and meditating and trying to still my mind and just listen for an hour at a time. Mm -hmm. This one day in particular, it was very hard for me to focus. Every time I would try to clear my mind and listen to hear God's voice, I would be bombarded with an image of a large, ferocious dog foaming at the mouth. Wow. Looking like he was trying to attack me. Mm -hmm. And although it didn't scare me, I found it very difficult to focus. So the next day during my hour with my spiritual director, 
I told her about this ferocious dog distracting me. And I've always remembered her response to me. And she said, whenever that happens, begin praising God because Satan can't stand to be where God is being praised. (laughs) Say that again, Carrie. I think that's worth repeating. Whenever that happens, begin praising God because Satan can't stand to be where God is being praised. Okay, so when she told you this, you're sitting in the chair across from her, what went through your mind at that moment? And when you did this, what happened? Did you feel a change? Absolutely. And what went through my mind was, wow, Mm -hmm. that's so simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like a simple little light bulb that just popped, you know, when she said it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. How to defeat Satan is really easier than we think it is. Yeah. And also you didn't, it was probably comforting because you're telling this nun who apparently has probably had this, some type of experience before, cause she right. knew this simple answer. You weren't alone. That's right. That's like, right. It wasn't just you being picked on. That's right. And you were able to take her advice. That's great. Right. So I would advise people, um, anybody's being attacked, mm-hmm. even whether it's in the presence of a human enemy or a spiritual enemy. Mm-hmm. Start praising God and watch what happens. <laughs> so praising God can sound a little intimidating, just like then me within it can sound a little intimidating if you've never done it before. Mm-hmm. So specifically, mm-hmm. what do you mean and how does someone begin praising God? Well, I think it's easier than it sounds. Mm-hmm. I think we're just not, maybe not used to praising him as we should be. Just start thinking about who, who is God? Mm-hmm. Who is God to you? What does he mean to you? You can put it in your own words or a great way to praise him is through the Psalms. Mm. Um, one I particularly like is Psalm 100. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. So that's, that's always helpful to have a, a certain one to go to that you yeah. like. So if you're looking for a way to start, start with Psalm 100. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I want to mention, I used to wonder, why praise God? Mm-hmm. I mean, is his ego so big that we have to <laughs> praise him? But you know what? We don't praise God for his sake. Mm-hmm. We praise him for our sake. It's how we begin to know who he really is mm-hmm. and all he has done for us. It also helps us to deepen our love for him. So Carrie, if you don't mind, I'm going to read uh, Psalm 100. It's a short pair, a short Mm -hmm. Psalm. Do you mind if I read it? No, absolutely not. And it says, uh, it's a Psalm of Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So shout joyfully to the Lord, all you lands, worship the Lord with cries of gladness, come before him with joyful song. Know that the Lord is God, our maker to whom we belong, whose people we are, God's well-tended flock. Enter the temple gates with praise, its courts with thanksgiving. Give thanks to God, bless his name. Good indeed is the Lord, whose love endures forever, whose faithfulness lasts through every age. Isn't that beautiful? It is. It is. It's such a short one. Maybe I'll try to do that and really step out on the memory verse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That would be really good. So um, do you have any other tips for help with spiritual enemies? Well, um, I would also suggest doing what I tell my great-grandson when he has a nightmare. Mm Mm-hmm. I tell him to start saying the name of Jesus over and over and over again because his name is so powerful. It will bring peace and the demons will flee when they hear the name of Jesus. 
And his name is so holy and so powerful. And that's why we should never say his name in vain. Mm, that's, that's so true. Like, say that again, because I think most people, this is one thing people don't even realize. Right, right. I was, I was fortunate when I was young. My dad was the disciplinarian. Uh-huh. <laughs> and one time I said the Lord's name in vain and I it knew was it. The last time. It was the last time. It was time. the last, it was time. last time. Good I for was, him. I was watching a game that my uh, brother was in. He was a, a really good baseball player and he was playing second base, but, or yeah, second base. And he could cover pretty much first base to third base. He mm-hmm. was like a gymnast out there mm-hmm. and he was, someone was coming in the second and he was right there, got the ball from like the, you know, um, catcher and it was real close and when the guy came he tried to take my brother out my brother did a somersault Mm. well it was a cold day that day so I was sitting between my mom and dad in the front of the car Mm -hmm. and I said what I had heard kids say (laughs) you know and my dad like immediately I never remember hearing don't say the Lord's name in vain Mm -hmm. but he let me know and it never and I'm so glad because I think this is one that so many people just don't realize. I think it's so easy to pick up. The reason I did it when I was whatever age that was is because I heard other kids say, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it just becomes a habit. Mm -hmm. So just anything you want to add to that? Yes. I think sometimes we just throw around uh, God's name too casually. Mm -hmm. Like how many times do you hear somebody say, Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Oh my Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're saying, that was what I said, if you're saying (laughs) it in prayer, Mm-hmm. That's one thing, but if you're saying it in uh, anger or whatever, mm-hmm. don't do it, mm-hmm. or don't throw around the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because when you say something in vain, what that means is that name has no value, mm. and that is so not true of the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so, so powerful. The other thing too is it it talk about the way the devil kind of. Uh, confuses us is if that's what we say normally then we don't know to call on that name exactly when things go sour and it's it was it has to be that distinction because it's something sacred something set apart that's right if you're saying it all the time it loses its value which it it doesn't but to you it does exactly in our minds we're deceiving ourselves right right. so that is a perfect kind of like you know the kind of within us are we we get ourselves off the wrong yeah of course Satan, satan would like to keep us there yep but the other thing evil also doesn't like is when you quote scripture. Mm. So when you believe there is an enemy in your life, repeat Psalm 138, 7. Though I walk in the midst of dangers, you guard my life when my enemies rage. Mm. Though I walk in the midst of dangers, you guard my life when my enemies rage. No. I also believe it's important to commit certain verses to memory, like this one. Mm -hmm. So when you need courage and you need to be reminded that God is with you, your memory verse can help you. Yeah. Your memory verse can help. I'm totally a fan of that. Yep. Yes. Um, Linda, do you have any uh, favorite memory verses in scripture that you have personally found helpful? Yeah, actually. Yeah. So I have, uh, I always heard a long time ago that you should always have at least one scripture verse memorized, like really at your ready mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to use it when crisis strikes unexpectedly. You know, you get that phone call, you, something happens and you know, that scripture verse can be the power that sustains you in that time where things are kind of off the rails, mm-hmm. so to speak. And like I had an example, it was many years ago, but I was out of the country 
um, it was late at night, uh, so no no planes, you know, no priests available, nowhere to go to because you dangerous <laughs> to go outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many things. I was on an island, so I really felt like really detached from any other help uh, that I could think of. And the two things I had heard was the name of Jesus was one, but then I had Romans eight twenty eight, and I quoted Romans eight twenty eight, which I'll share with everyone. Um, okay. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I repeated that Romans eight twenty. I don't even know how many, it was a countless number of times that night and Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Mm-hmm. But literally that one verse in the name of Jesus repeated over and over again, I kind of credit with helping me get through that very tough situation. Mm-hmm. And I would definitely encourage all listeners to really find a verse that really means something to them. Don't mm-hmm. just pick one just cause it's not that it won't have power for sure. It will, but pick one that really is, it means something to you so that we can grasp onto it. And then it's so easy. It's like right there, low hanging fruit when disaster strikes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that was my memory verse. Romans yeah. eight twenty eight. Yeah. Romans eight twenty eight. That is a great memory verse, Linda. And I believe it's important to understand that when you're learning about the truth, God's truth in his word, you're protecting yourself mm-hmm. by knowing the truth. You're protecting yourself mm-hmm. from the evil one and being in God's word is a safe place to be as well as helping us stay in the state of grace. And this is why receiving the sacraments as often as possible is so important to help keep us in the state of grace, which is not where Satan wants to keep us. Mm-hmm. No, that's, yeah, you're right. right. That's a, <laughs> that we would get away from the sacraments. That mm-hmm. would be something the devil would say. So, mm-hmm. uh, Carrie, getting back to Haman, I think, <laughs> I think we've done a good job of establishing that Haman was kind of an evil, vengeful right. type. Um, he probably wasn't getting a lot of, uh, of, um, you know, a personality, um, awards or anything like that, but he not only desires to get rid of Mordecai, who again is a faithful and just man, just to remind everyone, but his plan is to orchestrate mass murder of all the Jews in Persia. And mm-hmm. really, I guess, honestly, Persia, like when we say like India, Ethiopia, the references and the 127 provinces, mm-hmm. it was pretty much the whole known world at that time. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. wasn't just like, we kind of think of it as one place now right. in the world that we know right. as we're reading it. But back then it was like, that was the the game. Right, right. <laughs> so um, what other letter lies were in that letter that Haman wrote to the royal provinces? Well, Haman's, Actually, first lie was his lie to the king. Yep. And then he continued to lie in the letter by saying that it was the king's desire to bring peace, justice, and safety to travelers. Now, Mm -hmm. here's where the lie is. By eliminating the Jews who were disobedient to him. And they had been disobedient. Yeah. No, not at all. Mm -hmm. So Haman, he's not concerned with justice or peace. Mm Mm-hmm. He hates the Jews, and he's only concerned with his own agenda, which was an abusive power over the Jews and the ability to influence the king. Okay, Carrie, so on this, one thing that strikes me that you just said is about his own agenda. Mm -hmm. So there's plans that we have for ourselves. Differentiate agenda. (laughs) Well... It's, it's like you said, the, the plan that you have for yourself, what, what are your desires for your life? Mm -hmm. Now, his own agenda 
related only to him, mm-hmm. something that only benefited him. Right. But our agenda, the, our true agenda, shouldn't just benefit us. That's right. It should benefit. It's kind of like you said. We're not baptized we're not for ourselves. Baptized for ourselves. And it, you, even that, it's uh, if you think about that quote that you said that we're not baptized for ourselves, it just puts a. I think we all knew that being a godparent is such a important role. That's right. But it really, really. means. I mean, it's a real deal that it it's so important, but you're right that because that's the a thing for, I think all of us is when we start to get into our agenda, it's like mm-hmm. when we, th- we start to focus just on what is our outcome of it right. and what, what we what want. Benefits you. Yeah. The benefits, the goal, then we, if we can map that in, then it's a healthy one where we're looking that's, for how it affects other people. So that's, that's where absolutely. he, that's yeah, right. that's where he got yeah. kind of, uh, yeah his eyes got covered by his right. own he had agenda. no concern for anyone else except his his own mm-hmm. concerns his own agenda yeah thank yeah. you yeah. so he, he clearly hated the jews and the problem with hating someone is that it always backfires mm-hmm. hate is like a boomerang <laughs> we've all heard the saying what goes around comes around yes hate is itself is the enemy within mm. people who hate very often endure the suffering that they hope to inflict on others. Mm-hmm. Let me repeat that. Yep. People who hate very often endure the suffering that they hope to inflict on others. So I would ask our listeners, is there anyone in your life that you hate? It, it may be a family member maybe someone that you work with. It could even be a public figure, someone that you don't personally know, someone whose values don't align with yours. I read somewhere once that hate was like burning down your house to get rid of a rat. (laughs) The moral is get rid of the hate and not your house. (laughs) Carrie, can I say something on that? Sure, sure. On that. So I have kind of an example, and and, because I think hate, or anger or wrath sounds strong, but you know, when we, you know, fail, when we, when someone hurt us, it's very hard to kind of let that go, you know, um, the whole, you know, not forgiving and that kind of thing. And I remember there was someone who had hurt me, you know, not tell me the truth. And it was interesting because when I was in my house, I would notice, but I didn't again, notice this till hindsight that when I would look at things, this person gave me, I would kind of cringe like, And they were nice things. I didn't want to throw them away. But at the same time, I I noticed it after a while. I was like, this is not normal. But I didn't put two and two together. Mm -hmm. I did Mm -hmm. have hatred in my heart, you know, Mm -hmm. anger in my heart. I was hurt, but that doesn't excuse my response to it. You know, right. and um, so, yes, I, I get the moral of getting get rid of the hate and not your house and not your house. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Um, and, you know, it's interesting uh, what Jesus tells us, which we don't talk about a whole lot anymore. He tells us to love our enemies. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he said in Matthew five forty four, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly father. Mm. How many people out there, how many people do you, how many people out there pray for their enemies? Yeah, that's, and the other thing too is I can't help but see, I'm not the biggest one on social media. I'll tell you that I am not, but I was looking up something and I could not believe just seeing some of the feeds and the back and forth 
of like public personalities, just how much hate is there. I mean, these would be things that if we were like on the elementary school, um, playground Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. that our teacher or our mother would be like no 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 don't do that like really just calling people out the most basic level and I'm like is this what's become that's just this banter like a like a tennis court over social media with someone you can't see doesn't anyone think to say could we talk about this or I didn't have all the information I made a mistake I'm sorry and so I think what you, you know, Matthew four chapter five, verse 44 say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly father, because we're supposed to act and be like him. And there are so many times in the Bible where the enemies are mentioned, but this is one where he's very clear. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Look at the difference between Haman and Mordecai. Mm -hmm. Um, It wouldn't surprise me at all if Mordecai was praying for Haman. Mm -hmm. Mm Yep. Yep. Knowing exactly, knowing exactly, yeah, that it's that it's a different response. That's right. Because I'm sure he, I'm sure Mordecai didn't think great things about Haman. You know, after he knew that he was making right. him bow, and right. and he probably heard some things from Esther. We don't know. I mean, the story doesn't tell us. But he was also human, right? So, but, but remember, Mordecai is a godly person. Yeah, exactly. So his yeah. response to it is different. That's right. So yeah. Haman was the enemy within the palace, kind of, so mm-hmm. to speak, right? Mm-hmm. What other personal enemies should we be aware of, Gary? Mm, that's a great question. And the answer is, um, yeah, there are other personal em- enemies we should be aware of. And the first one that comes to mind is the enemy called unforgiveness. Hmm. I believe it's so important to do a self-check to see if there's anyone in your life that you have not been able to forgive. Not being able to forgive someone hurts you as much as it hurts them. So lack of forgiveness takes away your freedom to love. Mm. It also feeds the enemy within. <laughs> Carry on that. I, I want to give you something I learned a long time ago. I, I wasn't as young as when I, my dad told me about don't take the Lord's name in vain, mm-hmm. but it was at uh, some type of retreat um, where it was one of the people talking and they talked on the topic of this forgiveness and lack of forgiveness this unforgiveness. And Basically, the man said that he has, God was sort of opening up and realizing, letting him see himself and see how many people he did not forgive. He said that he started to try to make a personal effort as he was driving to work, they would take some time, take some time to think about who he might have unforgiveness for and then pray for that person. And he said every time he drove and his commute was over a causeway. It was somewhere near the water. I don't remember where it was, but he would have to drive this long causeway to work. And he said every time he went over the causeway, he's like, anyone else, Lord? And like another person would come to mind of something that happened from a very long time ago. And he would like really have to kind of sit with that for a second, pray for the person. He said this went on for months. It went on for months. And he said when he knew he finally arrived, he was like at even score, you know, was when he went on the causeway and no one came to mind. And then he said, then he was so definitely want to like attack it and keep on top of this. So that way, if someone cut him off on the way to work or whatever, he was immediately like, you know, blessing that person. And he didn't want anything sticking. That's great. He wanted to keep himself, so to speak, clean of it. That's great. So what you're saying is that unforgiveness can cause you to go the wrong way. (laughs) Exactly. 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 (laughs) But the thing is, when you forgive, you're not saying that what the person did 
was right or that you approve of what they did, mm-hmm. but you're saying you forgive them unconditionally mm-hmm. with no ties. Yep. Paul even tells us in 2 Corinthians 2.11, why it's so important to forgive when he says, so that you might not be taken advantage of by Satan, for we are not unaware of his purposes. Repeat that one, Carrie. So that you might not be taken advantage of by Satan, for we are not unaware of his purposes. So on that, so one of the ways that he could take advantage of us is distraction. Right. Even just to that alone, any That's right. anything else that you could think of that maybe people don't realize that when they're being taken advantage of by Satan? Well, Satan will take advantage of you if you keep unforgiveness in your heart. Mm. It opens the door for, for Satan when mm-hmm. you do something like that. So we close that door through forgiveness and through confession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, though that's such a key point, um, Carrie, because I think... When we, and I've seen it in my life that when we fail to forgive, we just let all that negativity fester. Right. I think that's also one of the reasons we don't get around to forgiving is sometimes we don't know how, like the mechanics. How do you forgive someone when what they did was awful? Right. How do you do it? And that I think is one of the worst things to be trapped in is to someone who wants to forgive, but just doesn't know how. And maybe they have gone to sacrament of reconciliation, they've confessed it, but they still have this awful anger or, or worry or just burden. So I went to one time, a priest gave me advice on how to forgive. So I want to share it because I think it could be helpful. It was very helpful for me, sort of like what that nun gave you during spiritual direction. So he said, first, admit your unforgiveness. So if you'll notice, that's about me. It's not about the person and what they did. It's about me admitting the unforgiveness. Then second, repent of it. You know, tell the Lord you have unforgiveness, that you're sorry. And he already knows what you've done and how you're feeling here. He knows your heart. So you're not telling him anything he doesn't already know. And then third, this is the most important. This was really was the impact for me. And what you had mentioned potentially with Mordecai, with Haman, speak a blessing into the person's life through prayer. Mm. And this blessing... I many times it's been as simple as Lord, help them to realize what they did so that they might not do it to someone else. Mm-hmm. Cause we can all look back in times in our lives where we wish we had done something differently. We mm. wish someone tapped us on the shoulder and said, Hey, when you did that, it landed like this right. and we wish we had known. So it's a very simple, powerful three-step process for forgiveness. I think that's great uh, advice. Admit, repent, and bless. Amen. That's great. great. Uh, Something I used to do when I wasn't able to forgive someone, I would ask Jesus to forgive them until I was able to. Oh, that's so pretty. And he, he would bring me to the place where I would be able to forgive them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, if you want to know other personal enemies, Mm-hmm. like forgiveness, mm-hmm. unforgiveness, um, that you need to be aware of. You might want to check out the seven deadly sins. Some light reading. <laughs> yeah, light, light reading, also known as the capital sins. Exactly, yep. And in case you have forgotten what they are, they're lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. That'll mm-hmm. just give you something to think about. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, there are virtues and fruits and habits to counteract each of those deadly sins, such as chastity, temperance, generosity, diligence, patience, kindness, and humility. 
Okay, so Carrie, on this, so to counteract each deadly sin, so basically you're saying instead of like, hey, stop, you know, hitting your hand, you know, saying stop being greedy, stop being, you know, right, right. That doesn't... gluttonous. It's sort of hard because you're fighting, you know, something, mm-hmm. but it's increasing some of these other virtues and habits, right? Trying to focus. So let's take the example of generosity. Okay. So if you find yourself sometimes being a little bit like, um, tight like, fisted. <laughs> yeah, tight fisted. You feel like you're this, the main character in the Christmas Carol that right. uh, you're Scrooge, right. um, and you need to be a little bit better at opening up your hand to those in need and just and to again open up the aperture and think of other mm-hmm. people, not just mm-hmm. your own agenda and your own plans. Mm-hmm. So, how do you do that? What what can you do with generosity? Well, with generosity. Um, Actually, let's go back to greed. Greed is hanging on to something. Mm -hmm. You're hanging on to your own resources. Mm -hmm. And that's not what we're meant to do. We're meant to be generous. Um, We're meant to give. Mm -hmm. And you know, I've always said you cannot outgive God. And and I challenge anybody to try. Mm -hmm. Uh, Recently, I have a a friend who is a single mom who lost her job. Mm And so money was a little tight. And for a couple of weeks, I kept feeling like I need to sit down and and send her a check. Mm -hmm. And I kept putting it off and putting it off. And then finally, one day I said, I'm going to sit down and do this. I sat down, wrote out the check. It wasn't for a a lot of money, but I, I sat down, wrote the check, and I mailed it to her. And then when she received it, she called me, and she was just so surprised. She said, you know what I just did? I just started to tithe to the church. (laughs) Now, see, this is a great example of God's Mm -hmm. faithfulness Mm -hmm. and how he builds our trust. He picked the perfect timing for her to give to the church. Mm -hmm. But he also, at the same time, picked the the perfect timing for me to send that church. He prompted you and her. Prompted both of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that is uh, such confirmation of him always being there working behind the scenes for Mm -hmm. us when we're not aware of it the other one too that i think you mentioned before but i think it worth repeating so humility and pride so humility we've always heard it's not thinking less of ourselves like you know like that we're bad people you know or don't want to it's basically thinking more of other people you know not thinking badly of ourselves but just not having it everything be through your your worldview, you know, like of your lens. So that kind of what you talked about before with the agenda. Right. Well, humility is different from humiliation. Exactly. That's it. You said it better than me. (laughs) God does not humiliate us. Mm -hmm. We do that to ourselves. Mm Yeah. But humility is totally different. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who used to say, uh, don't even sit next to somebody praying for humility because God might miss and hit you. Um, so <laughs> that's also a very humble person. <laughs> so, but in regards to these seven deadly sins, what's so great is that we have the sacrament of confession mm-hmm. in the Catholic church, mm-hmm. um, reconciliation. Yeah. So I'm a convert to the Catholic faith and uh, yeah, so I definitely love the sacrament of reconciliation. It scared me the most of any of the sacraments. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand Mary. I didn't understand Mary, but I didn't I was fearful or thought it wasn't necessary the sacrament of reconciliation and it was 
you I, we were pre- being prepared for it during the RCIA class, the right of Christian initiation for adults. And the priest, the pastor was doing something at Lent. We were very getting close to coming into the church. And I was like kind of the student who just wanted to keep on asking questions and learn more and uh, nothing much has changed. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I raised my hand and said, excuse me, um, Monsignor, how often do you go to confession? Oh. <laughs> and there were like a hundred <laughs> people in the, in the <laughs> parish hall and everyone gasped. And uh, the priest looked at me and he answered me because I was really trying to, I was asking everybody. I was asking when I would go on a flight and I was up in the air and the person would see me doing something that was, you know, reading the church, you know, information I was reading for the RCIA class. And the person next to me would say they were Catholic. I'm like, oh, how often do you go to confession? Oh. <laughs> but I wanted to know. And then, but what, I got a couple good pieces of advice. Go when you know you need to go. Like that feeling kind of wells up in you. Mm-hmm. But then what else I did was I took on that whenever confession was easily available, prepare myself and make myself available for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it would never mm-hmm. be too far away from it. Mm-hmm. And it's been such a light in my faith journey. I love, I I thank God most every day that he's moved that in my heart to want to do that. Also, I would say you don't want to wait until you uh, commit a big sin. Yeah, exactly. Those little venial sins can add up. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about the sacrament of confession or reconciliation is you're not only getting your sins forgiven, it's a very healing sacrament. Mm -hmm. And a lot of grace is poured out. And we all need that grace. Amen. Yep. So um, getting back to those seven deadly sins uh, between um, Haman and King Ahasuerus, I think they could claim uh, all of those seven deadly sins. Mm -hmm. And the two deadly sins that stand out for for Haman are wrath and Mm -hmm. pride. And I said earlier, they will be his demise. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is one of the age old questions of just evil persisting in the world. Why does it happen? And we definitely see that with Haman. And I wanted to share one quote that I got from the Catholic introduction to the Bible with John Bergsma and Brant Petrie. It's a wonderful kind of research for a lot of things for the Old Testament. And um, I wanted to share this. So And it really speaks to why Haman, Haman, and others persist in wickedness. And the quote is, nothing else is symbolized by the arrogant Haman than the opulence of the powerful of this world who take advantage of the benefits conceded to them by divine mercy. So just like one of the most merciful things God did is he created us. Same thing. The benefits conceded were conceded by divine mercy for them. This is a fascinating explanation of the otherwise seemingly irrational hatred of the many powerful in this world who've risen up to persecute both the Jewish people and the church. Like Haman before them, this hatred is ultimately driven by a kind of spiritual envy, which covets the worship and honor that are due to God alone. In fact, the edict to slaughter the Jews during the 12th month of Adar is a prefiguration of the fierce persecution that the church will face during the last days. Mm, what a prophetic quote. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's um, it's another quote too, just I think we have a little bit of time, but another quote is in the workbook you um, mm-hmm. had included that one from Ronald Reagan, evil right. is powerless if the good are unafraid. Anything you want to say before we close? Yeah, repeat that. Yeah, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. Mm. I think there are several points to remember. Uh, First, know who your enemy is. Mm -hmm. Don't let them into your life. Do a self-check on the seven deadly sins. And if you find any of them, try working on the opposite virtue or fruit. Practice 
that muscle and you'll get better at it. Mm-hmm. Also, forgive, forgive, forgive. And that's like dot, 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 because it's as right. many times as needed, right? Right. <laughs> right. And then always look for the truth, most especially in the word. And is there any other, to, to make sure, okay, we have the word, but what else can we look to besides scripture to make sure we're kind of staying in the, the Well, there's guardrails. a tripod in the Catholic Church uh, to determine the truth. And that's, you check it out with scripture, you check it out with the magisterium, and you check it out with tradition. Mm-hmm. So uh, the other uh, thing I'd like for you to remember is that when you run into your enemy, start praising God and watch them run. Mm-hmm. That's something you can start doing today. That's right, right away. Kind right of away. an easy thing to do. Yeah. And another quote in the Bible that I personally have used many times is from Isaiah fifty four seventeen: No weapon formed against me shall prosper. No mm-hmm. weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's great. That's great. So one thing, uh, because I think we have a little time, we always kind of do the uh, proclaim my word, uh, kind of unplug where I get to ask you whatever I want, Carrie. So a question I have for you is this, as you mentioned early on, and I think there's a lot of people probably have this question because we're all talking about the plans that we have for our life. But you said when you went to that retreat, it gave you the courage to leave the business world. Right. Tell us a little bit about that, because I'm sure there's somebody wondering, should I make a move? What should I do? Like, how did you know? Well, um, that's interesting. I remember at that time, I was very entrenched in my business and the world. And all of a sudden, I started losing interest mm. in that. And you, you could have called me a workaholic at the time. Mm-hmm. And I auto- automatically started losing interest in that. And then when I went on that retreat and came back, I felt like God was calling me to go back and get my master's in theology, which I did. And I had no idea what I was going to do with it. That's a great, I never heard that story before. See, that's why it's so good to ask. (laughs) I get the chance to ask you these things, but I'm sure there are a lot of people. It's one of the big quandaries they have is, you know, should I keep doing what I'm doing? Should I do something else? I want to do something for the Lord. And we all know that lots of times it's a balance, you know, it's, you know, financially and otherwise you got to, you know, and you yeah. don't want to move ahead of the Lord, right? right. You never right. want to get ahead of the Lord. Um, kind of like, come on. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, what's interesting is he doesn't always show you five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 steps ahead. Mm-hmm. He shows you that one step ahead. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So that's um, good. Let's go to the closing prayer. Okay. I carry that in just for everyone listening. You can follow along. It's on um, the lesson to the end prayer and praise. I praise you, Father, and I thank you for always protecting me from the enemy. There is no one greater or more powerful than you. I pray that I will never give in to the evil one, no matter what the cost. May I never fear to speak the truth and proclaim your holy word. Lord, my hope is forever in you. I trust you to guard my life, even though the enemy desires the destruction of my soul. I belong to you, Lord Jesus, and I know you are always in control in a world that appears to be out of control. Lord, you are my shepherd of whom shall I fear. My hope is in you, Jesus. Amen. So join our next Book of Esther podcast on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio, where we'll be discussing Lesson 3, which is the power of prayer and fasting. You can go to thequestatlanta.com or to the Quest Atlanta app under programs to listen to the Proclaim My Word Bible Study podcast. Carrie, you want to end us? Yes. Until next time, remember, there is power in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Praise God frequently because the evil one can't stand to be where God is being praised. And remember, no weapon formed against you will prosper because God is guarding you. Have a blessed week. Amen. <laughs>